So tonight we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 20. If you have a Bible, let's go there. And it's so cool to be able to be in a church. You know, Pastor Chuck Smith and Pastor Raul Reese, you know, they poured into me just the, the conviction to teach through the Bible, you know. And so a lot of churches nowadays, so you guys, you know, you need to be aware of this, especially younger people. You need to be aware of the fact that a lot of churches are not teaching through the Bible. They're just teaching topical and, they'll, you know, you come to a hard book like Jeremiah, and, and it can be a, a difficulty, it can be a challenge, but it's necessary for us to get the full counsel of God. And so, praise God for you guys coming back. Uh, this is a really cool message in Jeremiah 20 and 21, um, and it's a heavy message, to be honest. It's about a prophet with a lot of pain, a lot of pain inside, so much so that he does, he reaches a point in his life where he wished he would never have been born. That's heavy. Think about it, you know. And I was even thinking about that today. And I don't know why I I sensed the Holy Spirit tell me, you know, you might think, Manny, that no one there at at service would ever have those feelings. But I just sensed the Lord say there's going to be some people there, at least one person who has had those thoughts. They have been through so much pain that they have had those thoughts where they said they wish that they had never been born. And that's a lie from the enemy, you know, because I want you guys to know that in Christ, and of course it has to be in that relationship with Christ, you know what? He can redeem all the pain that you go through. And he can wipe away every tear and he'll help you through that. And one day you're going to look back at the most difficult times of your life and you're going to discover that actually those challenges, those dark days were actually the deepest tools that God used in your life to, to bless you and even bless others through you. And so my part of the study today is please don't quit. Please don't ever, if the enemy ever puts thoughts in your mind like, hey, you should take your life or hey, you should give up or hey, you should quit. I just want to pray and even premise the study tonight with that. Don't ever quit. Because God has beautiful plans for your life. And even quitting in your walk with the Lord, you know, sometimes people there say, man, I've been a Christian. I'm doing all the, I'm doing all the right things, telling people how wonderful God is. And this is what I get. Yeah, it's because you're doing the right thing that sometimes the devil will come against you. That's why. And so we got to be ready for this. When I used to wrestle, I used to kind of hate my coach, man, to be honest, man, because he was just making us do all these crazy things and running and jumping up and down and just, you know, wrestling and just sprints. And I used to put uh, plastics on and I used to run the bleachers of the football stadium. Man, I had to lose weight and sweat. And I would go home after practice and he would tell me, all, all you can have for dinner tonight is a can of tuna. And I'd be like, What? Yeah, he said, you need to lose weight, you need to make weight, you know, when things like that. And so I remember it was difficult, but, but see, the conditioning that was necessary, it was necessary because my coach knew that I would be in the battle. And if I didn't have the endurance, then I wouldn't make it. And that's kind of what it is when you, we're going through the hard times, even studying stuff like this, um, a, a tough message telling you it's going to be hard, but you're ready for it now. Because you've taken it in. So, so look what we read here in Jeremiah 20. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Jeremiah 20, verse 1. Now, now Pasher, son of Immer, 
the priest in charge of the temple of the Lord heard what Jeremiah was prophesying. So he arrested Jeremiah the prophet and had him whipped and put in stocks at the Benjamin gate of the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pasher finally released him, Jeremiah said, um, Pasher, I'm so sorry for saying what I said. No, I'm just joking. He didn't say that. <laughs> uh, Pasher, this is what Jeremiah said. Pasher, the Lord has changed your name. From now on, you are called to be uh, Magor Misabib, or the man who lives in terror. Literally, what that means is fear on every side. You're, God's changing your name, Pasher. Now you're going to be called the man who has this fear on every side. For this is what the Lord says in verse 4. I will send terror upon you and all your friends, and you will watch as they are slaughtered by the swords of the enemy. I will hand the people of Judah over to the king of Babylon. He will take them captive to Babylon or run them through with the sword. And I will let your enemies plunder Jerusalem. All the famed treasures of the city, the precious jewels and gold and silver of your kings will be carried off to Babylon. As for you, Pasher, you and all your household would go as captives to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends, to whom you prophesied that everything would be all right. And so Pasher here, apparently he's the chief officer of the temple at that time in Jeremiah's life. Uh, some say he would be the second in authority to the high priest. And so it, he had the responsibility in one sense to maintain, maintain peace in the temple. And some say even extended out to Jerusalem. And so this guy Pasher had a lot of authority. Uh, Jeremiah was a thorn in his side because Jeremiah was just continually preaching against the king and the temple. He was predicting the fall of Jerusalem because of the fact that they would not repent of their sins. And so, again, Pastor heard another one of Jeremiah's messages of doom and gloom. And so, the Bible says he struck him. Right here it says he whipped him. Uh, and, and so, he put him in the stocks at the gate of the temple. And uh, there he was by the gate of Benjamin. Now, it's interesting. It, it doesn't say that he took him into the prison or anything or into the jail or something. He may have been outside by the gate there. And so if you can visualize that, and then uh, some even say that, well, Jeremiah was in the stocks, that he continued to preach. And so interesting thing. And so the next day, Jeremiah was released. And Pastor's probably thinking, man, I, I'm sure I got through to this guy, right? It's going to shut him up. But Jeremiah got even more bold. And, and in his witness and his willingness to preach God's word, he changed Pastor's name. He attacked him. I mean, and, and he gets really giving just the word of God. And, and Pastor's name, it literally means quiet all around. Quiet all around. But now it's going to mean fear all around. You know, sometimes people, they're like, oh, I like to live in that nice neighborhood over there. It's so quiet. It's so peaceful. That's my life. And then some of you guys are living over here in this neighborhood, and it ain't like that. You know what I'm talking about? That's kind of like the change that would happen in his life. You know, this guy, Pasher, he was crazy. He was a priest, got into the pulpit somehow and told everybody, listen, you guys, I want you to know everything is going to be okay. 
I don't know why you got these crazy guys on TV or this pastor over here or whatever, and they're always telling you that judgment's coming. Listen, you don't have to listen to them. Everything's going to be okay. But Jeremiah says, listen, you, look what, you know, you have your friends. You're going to tell your friends everything is okay. They're going to believe you, and they're going to get slaughtered. You were supposed to warn your friends. But you were one of those pastors who were, you were afraid to offend people, so you never warned them of the judgment to come. And so your friends are going to get slaughtered because they need to hear the message that if you're living in unrepentant sin, God sees that, and we need to get right with God. We have to have a healthy fear of the Lord. But this guy, Pasher, he wasn't like that. I mean, he would witness the slaughter of his friends and his family. Think about it. Your family, guys. Your family. If we don't live right, how will that impact our family? Pasher didn't live right. He's the leader. He's the influencer. For those of you guys here that are fathers, that are husbands, I'm not saying that you've got to push people around. We can't be shoving leaders. But we must be leaders, loving leaders. Somehow, my brother, somehow you have to find a way to lead your family. Somehow we have to find a way to, to, to make our family want to follow us because we love the Lord. God will show us. God will give us the, the wisdom because if not, you know, Pasher was the one responsible for leading his family, they would be taken as captives, prisoners to Babylon. Let me ask you a question. What do you think would happen to Pasher's daughters in Babylon? What Jeremiah tells us, Lamentations tell us, they were raped. They were ravished because of him. So this is heavy stuff. It really is. When you look at this whole thing, Jeremiah says, okay, you whipped me, you beat me, you arrested me, you put me in stocks. That's fine. You thought you can shut me up, but you can't because I, I love the Lord and I got to tell you the truth. Now, because of what you did, this is what's going to happen to you and your family. And by the way, Jerusalem is still going to be taken away to Babylon in 586 BC. That's exactly what happened. You can look at history and see it all went down like that. And so, you know, just in case you guys might know some pastors like that, you guys might know some preachers like that, you might know some teachers like that, one day you might have the opportunity to be a teacher. If you're ever here and you're able to be a teacher, please don't be like a Joel Osteen. Don't be like an individual who doesn't want to talk about sin, who doesn't want to mention hell, who doesn't want to mention judgment. Because the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 1, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. That's not all we teach. But if that's where you're at in the Bible, then teach it. You know, and you get to teach through the whole Bible, and you get to teach the full counsel of God. And that's the way that we have to be. You know, right here, Jeremiah shares with boldness, right? And so you're thinking, well, then, you know, he's, he's good, right? But you want to know something that's interesting is that even though he's doing well, as far as like preaching and boldness and ministry, inside, this guy is really struggling. We're going to see that. You know, it, it might look like it's all easy for him. He makes it look easy. 
But it's never easy being a prophet of God. It is never easy being a prophet with a capital P and no one's listening. Think about that. You're sharing the most important message in the world and no one's listening. That's where Jeremiah was. No one's getting saved. Jeremiah is not only experiencing that type of ministry uh, failure, so to speak, but he's thoroughly hated. He's hated by the people. And so after he shares this word in public, he goes home and think about it. He just got beaten and battered and bloodied and he was thrown in the stocks and who knows what he's looked like and physically and how he's feeling. And, and then he has a heart-to-heart conversation with God. Look at verse 7 of Jeremiah chapter 20. He, look what he says. He says, oh Lord, you misled me. And I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction. I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. It's interesting how you guys, what what Jeremiah says there, he tells the Lord, you misled me. Interesting, the, the New King James says, you induced me. The NIV says, you deceived me. What did God deceive him in? Maybe he's talking just about being a prophet. Like you misled me, you know, this whole thing. Now, you know, you made me, you coerced me, you deceived me into being a prophet. That's the way the New English translation puts it. Lord, you coerced me into being a prophet and I allowed you to do it. So maybe that's part of it, you know. Um, He felt like God had misled him in his calling. Uh, Another possibility is maybe he's talking about how You know, the Lord had promised to protect him, but now look what happened to his life. Remember back in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 18, when it all started, when Jeremiah had received the call, it says there, for for see today, God said to Jeremiah, I've made you strong like a fortified city that cannot be captured like an iron pillar or bronze wall. You will stand against the whole land, the kings, officials, priests, and people uh, of Judah. You know, the the Lord said, hey, I'm going to make you like a wall. But now he's getting beaten. Have you ever been whipped? Have you ever been scourged? Have you ever been like you feel the pain? And it's almost like, you know, it's almost like Jeremiah had some of the theology nowadays, which is not good Christian theology. They'll tell you that if you're a Christian, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, and nothing bad can ever happen to you. And so Jeremiah maybe had that thought initially, thinking, you know what, no one can touch me. Yeah, they're talking smack. Yeah, they're slandering me. Yeah, they hate me. Yeah, they're mocking me. Yeah, they're laughing at me, but they'll never touch me. And then one day, boom, man, he gets floored. Broken bones, bleeding, you know, pain. Like, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. And all of a sudden, what you thought was, no, that can't happen to me. It just happens to you. And Jeremiah right here, he's just being honest. It's okay to be honest. As a matter of fact, God knows what's going on in our heart. It's like, wait a minute, time out, Lord, I'm a Christian. I love you. I gave my life to Christ. I remember this one guy. It was so amazing the way that the the Lord came into his life. And then just right away, I I don't know if it's just a matter of a few days later, 
uh, he just got hit with crazy anxiety attacks. And just, it's never really gone away. And almost like it was hand in hand. You know, for us, I know as Christians, a lot of times we think that we're supposed to be protected and God, you know, won't allow anything bad to happen to us. And that's just not the case. And that's why, you know, part of the, like I said, getting you guys ready for life is that when those things happen, you're not going to be, you're not going to stumble because you're going to know, hey, this is what can happen to me even as a Christian. But God will take the pain and give it purpose. You know, we know there is a protection as with Job. The enemy can only go so far, only what God allows. But remember, as I told you guys a million times, whatever God allows, yeah, he um, allows for our, for our good. He doesn't author evil. He allows evil. And with the pain, there's always a purpose. Don't just trust the process, because I hear that a lot. Just, not, don't just trust the process. Trust God. Trust the one who loves you. Trust the one who is provident over the process. No, God didn't trick you. God will never abandon you. If you're bold, are you guys ready? The world will hate you, but don't let it stop you or stumble you from speaking the truth. Even if you have to tell them it's a message of judgment. So here's Jeremiah He's kind of on the verge of quitting because it seemed to him anyways that God had failed him. But look what happens in verse 9. He says, but, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Again, the New King James, I think, is a better translation right here. In the New King James, it says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. He said it. The New Living Translation doesn't reflect that. New King James says that. He said it. He said it. I'm not going to make mention of his name anymore. I'm not going to speak in his name anymore. Imagine that. You know, what we find, I thought it was interesting, I have an article here about how 42% of pastors have a desire, they, they, they struggle with this whole thing of, of going on. Many of them quit. Many of them want to quit. And the article goes on and talks about the different stress and warfare and family pressures and financial things. And it's just crazy what we see going on. But, of course, we know the primary battle is a spiritual battle. You know, and, and so here's Jeremiah. I mean, crazy what's going on. You know, but praise God, it's not that easy to run from a genuine calling of God on your life. As a matter of fact, it's been said that if you can quit, from the calling, then maybe you were never called. Because here's Jeremiah, and he said, you know what, I I just said, forget it. I mean, it's getting crazy, what's going on in my life, the pain is too hard, I want to quit. But man, it just burned inside of him. Jeremiah chapter 20, in in verse 9, it says, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I couldn't. You know, Jeremiah has something in his heart. 
something in his heart. What is it? It's the word of God. It's the word of God there in his heart. It's a fire for God. It's, it's burning. And it's not just a fire in his heart. It's interesting what it says right here. It's a fire in his bones. Now, when you look at the Hebrew culture and they start talking about the bones, now you're really getting to what's deep, deep, deep inside in the core of who that individual is. And so the, the word is burning in his heart. It's burning in his bones. It doesn't get any deeper than that in the Bible. What we find is that, you know, Jeremiah said, I, I, I'm going to walk away from this and, and it's calling on his life and, and just he couldn't quit and i thank god for that i thank god you know maybe some of you guys here maybe you've tried quitting and you know thank god the lord just wouldn't let go of you because he loves you and he put that desire inside of you to serve him and he put his word inside of you and it burns and why does it burn listen it's not for you it's for the other people where when you share god's word they will catch fire. And so even though, you know, you got to look at ministry properly, you got to understand, listen, we're not saying it's easy. We're not saying that. But what we're saying is that you should never quit because, man, God has this calling that is so amazing. You know, looking at this right here, I think just as a side note, I don't think it would be wrong to say that part of Jeremiah's problem was his desire not to preach violence and destruction. Part of his problem was probably, Lord, I don't want to keep telling these people that they're going to be judged. Because you got to be honest, huh, guys, if you think about it for a second. I mean, it's not a problem, you know, if the message was, hey, I want you to know God, God loves you. God, God loves you. God, God loves you. God loves you. I mean, we wouldn't have a problem telling people God loves them, right? Oh, God has a beautiful plan for your life. I want to tell you that. And it's true. You're a champion. You're a champion, church. And we, you know, tell you the message like that. You're a child of the Most High God, and I'm not here to warn you or offend you or talk about sin. Listen, I want you to know everything's going to be all right. Listen, nobody has a problem with sharing a message like that, right? Jeremiah, part of it was, look, I'm tired of having to say this message of, of judgment. But all I can tell you is you, we, we have to say what the Holy Spirit tells us to say. Some people, all they say is love. All they say is heaven. Everyone's going to heaven. And other people say, all they say is judgment. And all they say is hell. No, we can't be that either. We have to be whatever the Holy Spirit tells us to share and that's why it's so beautiful going to a church that just teaches the Bible. Through the Bible, I don't get to choose what to share. We just, whatever's next, that's what we cover. And so verse 10, he, he says, and it's interesting, you guys are going to see Jeremiah go up and down. I, verse 10, I, I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends, my old homies, man, now they're turning against me. My acquaintances are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. 
Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. They, they were talking about Jeremiah, rumors, slander, gossip, making fun of him. Do you guys have anybody like that in your life? You know, some of you guys probably do, but you don't realize it. <laughs> a lot of times it's your family members. They think, oh man, he's really weird now. Your old friends, oh, cheese slid off the cracker, whatever it is. You know, they think you're weird, man. But they were talking about Jeremiah, rumors, gossip, making fun of him. And now he's got to watch his back because they even threatened to report him, saying, oh, he's going to trap himself and then we'll get our revenge on him. Uh, you know, the enemy wants us dead. It kind of reminds me of Jesus' ministry. You know, to me it's interesting when they asked Jesus, well, Jesus actually asked the guys in Matthew 16, verse 13, he came into the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am, the son of man? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And I thought about that. I'm like, wonder, wonder why they would say Jesus, you know, they were, that it was his Jeremiah. And probably because of the fact that he was sharing that message of truth and they didn't like it, the, the warning. And so, you know, even though we're going to see Jeremiah was depleted, he was deep down inside, you know, down. He knew ultimately he could not be defeated. And I wonder if there's anyone here like that, you guys, where you, you feel down, you get down, but like, you know, the emotions are there. But deep down inside, huh, you know, man, I got the victory in Christ. All I know is here's Jeremiah writing those words by faith. My haters, the persecutors who seek my life will be the ones to stumble and fail and thoroughly humiliated, dishonored and forgotten. Now, when I, when I see this, you know what I think of? I don't think of people. I, I really don't. I think of one day how God is going to get all those demons, man, and he's going to judge them. And so here's Jeremiah, and, and he prays in verse 12. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous, and you examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. And it's an interesting prayer here in verse 12, Lord of heaven's armies, that's the Lord of hosts. You know, he, he, he says, Lord, you test the righteous. You know, and so if you're here as a Christian today, God tests you. And that means you're going to go through things that are going to test your faith. And it, what it does is it reveals and then hopefully it refines. That's what's going on. And so I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Maybe you failed the Lord. It, ex, it kind of exposes who we are and it reveals our faith. Maybe it's weak, but then it refines it. Okay, Lord, make it stronger. God tests the righteous and he's purifying our lives. And it's a beautiful thing. And then he says right here that God sees uh, the, the deepest thoughts and secrets. He examines them and he scrutinizes them. All that's there in my mind and my imagination in the deepest part of my heart. And so that's a heavy thing um, to think of, you guys. What's going on in your mind? 
What's going on in your heart, in your imagination? Let me ask you a question, because sometimes people don't realize that God can read their minds, but he knows every single thought. So, so have we surrendered that to the Lord? I mean, sometimes I'll get a bad thought in my mind, man, but I do not let it, I do not let it stay there. Uh, the Bible says to bring every thought into captivity. You know what that, what, what that does when you start purifying your thoughts, you start purifying your heart, is you start getting, man, this like deeply committed to God. So you're like, you know what? I don't want anything crazy bad in my life, Lord. You know, they, they say that everything begins with a thought. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a character or a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. How did it begin? With a thought. So we have to surrender our thoughts because God not only sees those thoughts, he scrutinizes them. Now, you can't stop a bad thought from flowing through your mind. Just like Spurgeon said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest. And so what we want to do, right? Jeremiah here is saying, Lord, uh, you know me deeply. And I think that he may be saying a couple of things. Like, Lord, you see them. You see what they're doing in their thoughts, their minds, their hearts. You see them, Lord. Judge them, Lord. Or he might be saying that about himself. Lord, you see me. Even though they hate me, I love them. I'm only trying to give them the word. I'm only trying to be obedient to the calling that you've placed on my life. You see that, Lord. And so, Lord, let there be justice. And I like the way he closes right there in verse 15, with, with praise. I praise you, Lord, because it didn't look good for me, this poor man, but you rescued me from my oppressors. And so can I ask you guys a question? Do you guys know that Jeremiah is human? Jeremiah is human, right? And so you know what that means? It means I, I was hearing one guy who was talking about it. It's like a roller coaster. You guys like roller coasters? Yeah? How many of you guys like roller coasters? I'm just curious. So you go, nah. Whatever, I can't make the sound, but you're going up, you know, and, and, you're also, and then you go down, right? And then you go up, and then you go down. That's kind of like how it is in life. And some of us here are more uh, emotional. We go up and down, and some are even bipolar in one sense. I mean, we're talking, I don't know, David, Jeremiah, these guys, they struggled. And you might be thinking, well, there's no way that, you know, Jeremiah could have suffered with a condition like that. Well, well, look what we read. We just got done. He just got done praising God. But now look what it says in verse 14. Yet I curse the day I was born. May no one celebrate the day of my birth. I curse. Think about that. I curse the messenger who told my father Good news, you, you have a son. Let him be destroyed like the cities of old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him, that messenger, all day long with battle shouts because he did not kill me at birth. Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. Let me just talk to you 
If you're here today and you have those thoughts sometimes, you're like, man, I don't know why I was born. I, I don't have any purpose. I wish I would have never been born. I've only been a burden to people. Listen, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he says to Jeremiah, before you were born, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And what's true for Jeremiah, my friend, is true for you. It doesn't matter who you are. Please hear me. Please hear me. Before time began, God had a beautiful plan for your life. And when you begin to question, well, I shouldn't even be born, I shouldn't even be here, and my life was out without purpose, what you're doing is you're ebbing away at the very foundational truth of your life. You know, God has plans, man, that will blow your mind. And they're greater than you might think. Not that we're looking for greatness, but when we follow God, He leads us in His work and no matter what his work is, it's a great work because he's a great God. And I just pray that if you're here and you're struggling with that and why was I born and why should I live, that you would understand this is, this is Jeremiah went through that too. You're not alone. But, but my encouragement to you would be do it what Jeremiah did. And that is he poured out his heart, but he never quit following God. And that's what we need to do. It's interesting, you know, when you look at the Jewish life, they couldn't curse their parents, you know, because if a child cursed their parents, they'd be put to death. And so he got as close to it as he could. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he cursed, you know, the day he was born he didn't curse his mom, but he cursed the day he was born, and he wished that he would have died in his mom's you know, womb. And, and he didn't curse his dad, but he cursed the guy that told his dad that a boy was born. And in those days, when a boy was born, it was supposed to be rejoicing. It was supposed to be people, oh, praise God. It's supposed to be celebration. But, you know, Jeremiah here is saying, no, I, I wish that I'd never been born. I, I curse that man who put that message through, and I curse that, that day. And so, you know, this is heavy stuff. You know, it's one thing to feel the pangs of life. You know, you walk through the valleys of life, you fall into the pits of life. That, that's one thing. But when it reaches the point that you no longer want to even live life, you wish you'd never had life at all, then that's pretty much as deep as pain anyone can experience. And you want to know something? It's one of the worst lies you'll ever hear. You know, if you were, I know a lot of you guys after service today, you got to split, right? You're like, man, I'm going to go home and eat my quesadilla. That's what you're thinking, right? Or whatever your plans are. But you want to know something? If rather than just leaving right away, you stopped and you chatted with someone, you talked to someone, Maybe you said, hey, how can I pray for you? Or whoever you are, you might think, oh, no, not me. Yes, you. You would be a blessing. You, you are a blessing. But you don't realize that. We don't realize that. We think so low of ourselves because we don't put God into the equation. 
And it's just a lie of the enemy. I'm telling you that, you guys. I know because I wish that I could talk to every single one of you and I know I would be blessed. And so, I mean, I'm just saying what we find right here is something that's crazy. You know, we go through this and sometimes it pins us down, but God says, no, I want you to rise above that. Some of us are shy. Any of you here shy? I'm just curious. You know, and we have to get past that. You know, um, take a step of faith. And I don't want to tell you guys what to do. And I don't want to micromanage your life because Jesus is your shepherd. But man, I encourage you to open up and start, you know, experiencing the life that God wants you to have. You know, because the fellowship, you know, the love that was stirring one another up is beautiful. It, It really is. And so what we find right here, Jeremiah, worst lie you'll ever hear, you, you should have never been born. It needs to be trumped. It needs to be overcome with the fact that, no, you were uh, woven together in your mother's womb with a purpose. You read Psalm 139, and you know David talks all about that. But, but what we find in the Bible, and I think it's kind of cool because God wants us to know that they, these are people just like us, Jeremiah is not the first to despair of life. He, he's actually in good company. People like Job, oh, who was upright and blameless, shun evil. You know, that guy was upright. Elijah uh, had the same feelings. In 1 Kings 19.4, it says he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, because I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. That was right after he had gotten a victory. So he's up here on the mountaintop, defeating the 400 prophets of Baal. But right after that comes the valley, you know, because this woman, Jezebel, threatened to take his life. Wait a minute, time out. Elijah, didn't you just see the victory that you just got? Why is that? It happens. We get vulnerable. People like Job, people like Jeremiah, People like Elijah, they go through stuff like that. Even Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, verse 3, he said, Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. You know, I, I pray that we would not have this heart. Recently, I, I, I heard about a movement that's emerging in different parts of the world. In, in 2020, there was a 27-year-old Indian man named Raphael Samuel who announced he was suing his parents for birthing him. Can you imagine that? He said, it was not our decision to be born. Human existence is completely pointless. And so back in 2006, I I heard about this book by this guy, uh, David Benatar. I don't even want to tell you guys the name of it. It's a crazy book. But I went online to see how many people liked it. And just hundreds of people gave it this amazing uh, rating on Amazon and, and what the book is, is all about is I, I'd rather have never been born. And a lot of people, unfortunately, they struggle with that thought. As crazy as it sounds, Jeremiah was one of them. And so um, we read this right here because one of the beautiful things about the Bible is it reminds us that, that even these guys that we think are perfect, they're, they're not. And so you're like, well, why is God telling me that You know, this. You want to know why? So that when you look in the mirror and you realize that you're not perfect, you realize, hey, we're all the same. 
In the book of James, the Bible talks about Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. Good days, bad days. You know, he, he sinned. He blew it big time. But you want to know something? He was saved. He was forgiven because he had placed his faith in God. And so my, my prayer is that hopefully if you get those thoughts or you get those feelings that you would overcome them, you overcome bad thoughts with good theology and you overcome sad and painful feelings with biblical faith. You know, do what Jeremiah did. Do what Job did. Do what Hannah did. Do what David did. You want to know what they did, you guys? They just poured out their hearts to the Lord. You know, I love it for me. And I just tell you guys this, not that I'm bragging because I'm trying to make it just really practical. For me, I go into my garage, I get on my knees and I just start pouring out to God. I start crying. I start telling him all my thoughts, all my struggles, all my, my dreams, lifting up my wife, lifting up my kids, lifting up the church, lifting up the pastors, lifting up the overseers, just talking to God like that. You have to have a place where you can do that with God. And as you're pouring it all out, just like Hannah did, she poured out her heart to the Lord, you know, then it's so cool because God meets you there. And God will then put thoughts in your mind and God will strengthen you. If you don't have that type of prayer life, I pray that you would. It's not just for the pastors or whatever, the evangelists. It's for all of us. It's the most wonderful thing to be able to pray. And so, you know, when the hurt is deep, my encouragement to you is to go deeper. If you feel like tapping out, you're like, man, I'm ready to quit. My encouragement to you is to reach out to the Lord and then he'll direct you to a Christian friend. You know, we're not in Jeremiah's situation. We actually have a church family that's willing to help. Jeremiah, I have a hunch, was all alone. And so here we read in verse 1 of the next chapter, the Lord spoke through Jeremiah when King Zedekiah, that was the last king of Judah, sent Pasher. Now this is a different Pasher, son of Melchijah. Now in the Bible, there are actually six different Pashers. And so he sent them, and Zephaniah, son of Messiah, the priest, to speak with them. And they begged Jeremiah, please speak to the Lord for us and ask him to help us. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is attacking Judah. Perhaps the Lord will be gracious and do a mighty miracle as he has done in the past. Perhaps he will force Nebuchadnezzar to withdraw his armies. And so here's the truth of the Bible, you guys. Like if you live in sin, continual, insistent, resistant, persistent sin, eyes wide open, you're just going into it, you don't care. There might be someone here who's having an affair. You're having an affair. It might be an emotional affair. It's in your heart. You know, there might be someone here, in all reality, you know, you're, you're, you're stealing or you're, you know, you're doing drugs and you're thinking you can hide it. Or maybe you're here and, you know, you're deeply addicted to pornography and, and you just can't get out of it. And maybe you're here and you're not even trying, but you're like, I'm going to go to church anyways. I don't care. You know, what we, what, we, what we find is that if you live like that, then you're going to be disciplined. You're going to be disciplined. 
Now, the best thing to do is to come clean. Because if you come clean now, just through conviction, then that shows signs of repentance. But if you wait until you get busted, and one day your sin will be shouted from the mountaintops, that's a completely different story. Because that's what happens right here. The year came, it was 589 B.C., and the Babylonians came, and they surrounded Jerusalem. They surrounded Jerusalem. And so for 40 years, for 40 years, Jeremiah had been warning them, get your life right, get your life right, get your life right, get your life right. But they wouldn't. No, no, we're going to be good, we're going to be good. Because last time the Assyrians came, you know, God sent an angel and he wiped out 185,000 Assyrians. We're the Jews, we got the temple, we're good. And they didn't take the warning to heart. You know, and sometimes we think, well, because God doesn't judge me right away, then I'm sure I'm going to be okay. But eventually, if we continue, and I'm not talking about making mistakes. I'm not talking about stumbling. We all do that every day. I'm talking about people who are hard-hearted, just living it anyways. If that's that you, then eventually the day will come when the discipline of God will come and it will be heavy. Because usually it's first it's verbal and then, you know, circumstantial and then physical and sometimes even fatal. You have to be really careful with that. And so this is what happened. The Babylonians finally came. They're surrounding Jerusalem. And, and so what ends up happening is they say, oh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. It says in verse 1, they begged him, go talk to the Lord for us and ask him to help us. But it's too late now. Now it's too late. You know, a little close to 40 years, God had been warning them through Jeremiah, but they wouldn't listen. Isaiah 55, 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I have a hunch. I kind of believe that if you're here today, if you're watching today, if you're listening today, it's not too late. It's, I just, I just want to say that, you guys. We can get right tonight. You know, maybe you've just been distancing yourself from God. God is saying, hey, it's time to come back. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Second Corinthians 6, 2 says, God says, at just the right time, I have heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is a day of salvation. You know, number one, there should be no delay to our repentance because we don't know if we're going to have another day to, to get right. But but also, number two, let's just say you're in the situation and discipline is coming. I would say this. Don't just ask for a miracle. Ask for mercy. The key shouldn't be just that you need assistance. The key should be coming to God with a heart of repentance. And you know, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you guys. And I, and I still find myself in areas of my life that need to be surrendered to him. And so, Jeremiah, verse 3, replied, Go back to King Zedekiah and tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I will make your weapons useless against the king of Babylon and the Babylonians, your enemies, right into the heart of this city. I myself, God says, will fight against you with a strong hand and a powerful arm, for I am very angry. You have made me furious. 
And so, have you guys ever seen the movies? You guys ever go to the movies and there's a fight and one guy's got a, a, a gun or something and so they're struggling for the gun. Let's just say someone's coming at you with a gun, right? And so, um, you, you know, somehow you've got to do the Kung Fu Sensu, whatever it is, and then you're able to get their gun from them and then maybe use the gun against them. In one sense, that's what God says. God says, I'm going to take your weapons, Judah. I'm going to take your weapons. I'm going to grab your weapons that you're saying you're going to fight the Babylonians with, and I'm actually going to use them against you. That's how angry God was with the sins that he had been committing. And we don't have time to, to go through it right now, but I have a list of all this legislation, California legislation right now, taking away the rights from the parents, saying if your kid goes to school and they want to be a boy, even though they were born a girl, I'm going to strip you parents of your right to say anything. And this, all these different legislations that are going on right now. I encourage you to go to Real Impact that US, or maybe you can email me if you want email me if you want information. But it's crazy the things that are going on right now in this nation, in this state. It's just crazy. And God says, I see what's going on, and, and I'm I'm actually furious. We're talking about endangering pro-life pregnancy centers. We're talking about government-funded abortion pills where parents don't have to know anything about it. We're talking about doctors being allowed to remove minors from Homes. We're talking about courts affirming transgender children, disregarding any, any opinion the parents might have. We're talking about so many things. And then they tried this one bill, AB 1314, to notify parents of gender change. Just, just tell me if my kid wants to do this, please. Just tell me. And they didn't even give it a chance. So, so what will God do? I mean, let me tell you, it's just a matter of time. And so we we read verse 6, God says, I will send a terrible plague upon this city and both people and animals will die. And after all that, says the Lord, I will hand over King Zedekiah, his staff and everyone else in the city who survives the disease, war and famine. I will hand them over to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and to their other enemies. He will slaughter them and show them no mercy, pity or compassion. It's interesting. You know how God just, Zedekiah comes, oh, Jeremiah, ask God for help. And Jeremiah says, this is what's going to happen to you. It was a message to King Zedekiah. He would be the last king of Judah. Any after him would only be governors. Verse 8, it says, tell all the people, this is what the Lord says. Take your choice, here it is, of life or death. There it is. Everyone who stays in Jerusalem will die from war famine or disease, but those who go out and surrender to the Babylonians will live. Their reward will be life. For I have decided to bring disaster and not good upon this city, says the Lord. It will be handed over to the king of Babylon and he will reduce it to ashes. So, so let's close the service. We've got a couple more verses, but let's kind of close this service with that. What's your choice? Life or death? Your will or God's will? Jesus or no Jesus? Oh, I can't believe God would send anyone to hell. He doesn't. It's up to you. Do you want to spend eternity with him or not? And that's what we see right here is going on. God says there's a decision. You either surrender to the will of the Lord, which would be the Babylonians, 
or you can be stubborn and stay in your own ways. Right here we see the reward in verse 9 will be life. And like I said earlier, you guys, God has these plans for your life. And my encouragement to you is to choose him. See, God here speaks to uh, King Zedekiah, then he speaks to the people, then he speaks to the dynasty of David in verse 11. It says, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says to the dynasty of David. Give justice each morning to the people you judge. Help those who have been robbed. Rescue them from their oppressors. Otherwise, my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all your sins. I will personally fight against the people in Jerusalem, that mighty fortress, the people who boast, no one can touch us here, no one can break us in here, and I myself will punish you for your sinfulness, says the Lord. I will light a fire in your forest that will burn up everything around you. And so maybe you're here and, you know, you're like me. Maybe you're here and you're like me in the sense that I have areas of my life that I really, truly just want to give it all to God. Give it all to God. I, I need, there's so many things to grow as a, as a husband, as a dad, as a son, as a pastor, as a friend, as a servant, you know, in my prayer life or whatever it might be. You know, there's so many things and if that's you, God is just saying, well, let's do this. You know, you have to make sure that you get it right because like, like I told you guys, and, and we'll close with this. I know you guys are getting hungry. We'll close with this real quick. Um, God has a plan for your life, but so does the devil. Now, it's interesting right here. Look what he says in verse 12. Give justice each morning to the people. So it's interesting how he's telling them it's not over yet. You still have a, 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 the, 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 the opportunity to change the outcome. So give justice every morning. Every morning, you want to know what happened? Every morning they would go out to the city gates. And in the city gates, there would be, sometimes it would be the king. Sometimes it would be his assistants. Some, it would be leaders. It would be men who were influencers and they would you would bring your cases to the city gates and then they would make decisions there at the city gates. You know what else they would do? They would also strategize. They, they would actually strategize for war. They would do that there at the city gates. The city gates. Now, now there's an interesting passage in the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus is talking to Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. You guys remember that verse? And then what does he say? And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. And what does he mean, the, the gates of Hades? What's he talking about, the gates of hell won't prevail? You want to know what he's talking about? He's talking about how Satan, in one sense, strategizes there in those gates. Just like the men of Jews, the, the Judah did, they, they would be there in the gates. That's where they would make their plans. Satan's plans for your life will not prevail. 
This is what we're talking about right here. He says, give justice each morning. It's interesting, real quick, Jeremiah chapter 20, when, when Jeremiah got, 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 got arrested, they had him there at, at the gate of Benjamin. What does Benjamin mean? It means the son of my right hand. And what we find is Jeremiah is there at the gate with Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. And what God closes with here in Jeremiah chapter 21 is, is if you surrender to my plans, my will, then what we find, you guys, is that the, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. And to me, that's pretty cool. 